All right, as you stand, this morning's message that Chris is going to bring talks about the regifting of God's greatest gift. And as he's mentioned, this is the first Sunday in January, and this is our kickoff of the Mark for the Mekunday. So uh, I hope God can really challenge our hearts this morning. We're going to read Revelation chapter 5, verses 8 through 14. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped him who lives forever and ever. Let's pray. Lord, we just humbly bring ourselves before you. And God, this mighty passage of scripture just challenges us. Lord, may we worship you. May you draw us closer to you and to your will and to your vision of seeing uh, your kingdom be expanded to all nations and to all peoples and to all languages. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Well, it's uh, post-Christmas. Does everybody have their Christmas down? Yeah? Anybody? I still have lights up, and I'm still turning them on. Yeah, you've been on vacation, Terry. You get a break. Let's talk a little bit about regifting. That's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Regifting. Have you ever been regifted? Well, maybe you have, but you don't know. Okay, that's the thing about regifting. How many of you do the regifting? Does anybody here do regifting and is willing to admit it? Well, Terry, uh, you should not have raised that hand because I'm now referencing you for, for insights on the rest of this. Yeah, regifting. Here's what it is. Regifting or regiving is an act of taking a gift that has been received and giving it to somebody else, sometimes in the guise of a new gift. That's kind of the, the thing that uh, uh, makes it interesting. Uh, the term was popularized by an episode of the NBC sitcom Seinfeld. Uh, In the episode, the character Elaine calls Dr. Tim Watley a re-gifter after he gives Jerry a label maker that was originally given to Watley by Elaine. Then in another Seinfeld episode, they use the term de-gifting. Anybody know what de-gifting is? That's when you give a gift, then you ask for it back, okay? So there's re-gifting, there's de-gifting. What kind of gifts, and since we're a little closer here, what kind of gifts do you think get re-gifted the most? What kind of gifts? Wedding gifts. Wedding gifts. In fact, a woman had a wedding to go to and needed a wedding gift, and she thought, you know, I have that monogram silver tray from my wedding that I never used. I'll just take it to the silversmith, have him remove my monogram, and put hers on it. Voila, one cheap wedding present. So she took it to the silversmith and asked him to remove the monogram and put the new one on. 
The silversmith examined the tray carefully, shook his head and said, Lady, this can only be done so many times. Okay? That's the thing about regifting. You don't know if you're getting it or not. Now, at Christmas, what's the great joke? What do, what, what do people always joke about regifting at Christmas? Fruitcake. Fruit yeah, I don't know why. My dad always bought fruitcake. We loved them. I love them. My family laughs at me, but I enjoy them. So if you, have a re, if you need a regifting, go ahead. I'll, I will take that. And then also, where do we do a lot of regifting? At Dirty Santa exchanges, right? That's a classic. And so I do have here one from the Youthquake Kids that they like to uh, re-gift, and so whoever that came from, Zach, you can come back and own it. Actually, my neighbor got it last year and, uh, and brought it home. And, and I wondered where it was. The, 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 the thing about re-gifting, though, you know, when it's a prank, some people might, you know, might appreciate this. So anyway, I do have this up here if you want it. So that's, that's a lot of times we do that as a prank. Here's the bottom line. We tend to re-gift what we don't need or value anymore. Uh, it's often, not always, but it's often about more about decluttering than actually caring. Hey, I want this out of here. It's often more about self than others. It's often more about a prank than a present, like that. It's often more about saving for ourselves rather than sacrificing for others. And so this morning, I don't want to talk about that kind of regifting. I want to talk to you about a different kind of regifting. I want to talk about regifting what is valued, not what is devalued. I want to talk about regifting what is precious, not what is cheap or tacky. I want to talk about regifting what is actually used by us and enjoyed by us rather than what is neglected by us. I want to talk about regifting that is motivated by caring, loving, sharing, and sacrificing. One of the best gifts I ever had, and if you're in my class, I've, I use this many times, one of the best gifts I've ever had was a re-gift. And it was from Randy, and it was a Chiefs football Super Bowl, signed by the Chiefs Super Bowl team, and that football becomes more valuable every year. Its value increased last night tremendously. And we do have post-playoff recovery classes scheduled for this week for any of you. And, and I wish someone would teach it because I, I just need to go to it myself. But uh, uh, I don't think Randy gave me that gift because he didn't value it. I don't think he gave it to me because he didn't want it anymore. He gave it because he knew I would value it. And I would receive it not as a prank but as a precious gift given out of a heart of love. I want to talk about that kind of regifting. The regifting of the greatest gift God has ever given us. Now, what is the greatest gift God has ever given us? Good question for you to ask. Good question for us to consider. I think many places you could go to find the answer. I think it's the answer. But one place I want you to go is Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. What is the greatest gift that God has ever given to the world? It is his living and written word. It is his living and written word. We're just coming off of Christmas. What is the greatest gift? He gave us his son, the living word, and the living word taught us the, 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 the written word, gave us the written word through his apostles. It's the greatest gift you can give an unsaved person. It's the power of God unto salvation. So if someone's unsaved, they need saved, what do you give them? Too often we give them silence. Too often we give them a lot of, 
a lot of stuff. We need to give them the Word of God. That's what saves a lost person. What's the greatest gift you can give a saved person? To receive daily time in God's Word. Romans 10, 17. So faith comes by hearing, and hearing through the Word of Christ. If you put the greatest gift this morning, this past year, this coming year, if you put the greatest gift in your heart on a daily basis, the natural result is going to be a reproduction of Christ-likeness in you and in others. This is the greatest gift. The mark for the Makande Project is all about regifting the greatest gift God has ever given us, His Word. Now, how important is God's greatest gift in reaching the unreached? How important? Well, I already read to you Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by what? Hearing, and hearing by what? The Word of Christ. The Word of Christ. That's how faith comes. That's how salvation comes. It's the power of God unto salvation. So here's what I want you to see. Fulfilling the Great Commission calls for getting God's Word to people in a language they understand, preferably their heart language, the language they were born with, the language they learned, rather, when they learned after they were born, the language they were raised in, the language of their home culture, the language that they, they don't remember learning because it was always spoken in the home. And in a way that they can easily access, whether that way is written, oral, or visual, that's what we have to do if we're going to fulfill the Great Commission. Now, here's what I want you to do this morning. And I want us to see, again, for some of us and new for others, the theology behind this project. You see the posters. We're surrounded by 16 chapters of the Gospel of Mark. And I don't want you to just get involved in this project out of emotion. So much of missions in America is motion-driven, and I can tell you stories, and, and I can pull heartstrings, and, 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 and that's what it would be. It would be me pulling heartstrings. I want you to understand how God views language translation. I want you to see from God's Word His heart for this project so that when you get involved, then you're doing it for the right motives, for the right reasons, and you have God's heart when you're doing it. Because when you have God's heart and you do something for God with God's heart, it brings joy to you. It brings fulfillment to you. And it begins to release your creativity. And it begins to open possibilities that you hadn't thought of before. And if you don't do it that way, if you try to get involved and just do it out of, out of burden and out of guilt or out of duty, then you'll just do what you need to do to get by and you'll walk away and you won't be changed. I want you to be changed. God wants you to be changed. And so let's look at five facts about God's heart for every language receiving his word. And out of all of last year, this is probably one of the greatest uh, truths, insights that I gained from my own study. I love this. I think it, 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 we need to return to it again and again this year as we complete this project because these are five facts about God's heart for every language receiving his greatest gift, which is his word. And here's fact number one. God uses language to accomplish his purposes. God uses language to accomplish his purposes. You don't have to go any farther than Genesis 1. 
How did everything you see come into existence? Not billions and billions and billions years of, of chance evolutionary process. It was spoken into existence by God using language, and God said, let there be, and there was. Man, doesn't every parent person here, even teenager, young person, wish you, wish you had that power? Let there be, and what would you speak into existence, right? Think about that. Language is how God accomplishes his purpose of creation. It's in redemption. John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus, this gift, this living Word, Jesus was a Word from God. And then think of condemnation, his purposes of condemnation. Yes, Jesus, God is going to judge the world. He is not all happiness and love. He is holiness, judgment condemnation and when we come to the end of the book of revelation and jesus returns on a white horse and he comes with a flaming with a flaming sword it's the it's the word of his mouth he is going to set everything straight by the sword that comes out of his mouth by the spoken word of god just like he said let there be he's going to say depart from me i never knew you recreate make all things new and it's going to all be new in fact, in Hebrews 8.10, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God. Listen, we celebrate as Christians the new covenant. That's what the Lord suffered. It's a memory of the new covenant. And in the new covenant, we receive the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit writes the word of God into our hearts. We now have God's word written in us to enable us to fulfill his purposes, God accomplishes everything through language. Spoken, written, and living. We are a new creation because of the message of reconciliation. I cannot emphasize enough that God uses language, his word, spoken as you're hearing it today. And let me commend you. First day, first Sunday of the year. As, I, you know, I, 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 it would take a lot to want me not to be here on the first Sunday of the new year. This bodes well for you. This bodes well for you. It bodes well because you are making hearing God's word a habit, a priority, and a consistency. How did it go this year in God's word? If God uses his word to accomplish all of his purposes in your life, How'd it go this past year in hearing it on a consistent basis, in reading it, in studying it, in memorizing it, in meditating and renewing our minds with it? Listen, my mind is blown by the amount of tools that we have for getting God's word into our hearts. I sent several emails to my grow group saying, listen, we are without excuse Almost everyone here is probably sitting with a smartphone in their pocket, maybe even looking at the Bible right now on it, and realize there are hundreds of tools for getting God's Word into our lives. How's it going this year? Well, here's fact number two. God uses this language, but look at fact number two. Sinful humanity used one language to rebel against God's purposes. 
and make a name for themselves. Sinful humanity used one language to rebel against God's purposes and make a name for themselves. Turn your Bibles to Genesis 11. We're going to look at Genesis 11, verses 1 through 4. It's the famous story of the Tower of what? Tower of Babel. And when I say one language, we don't know what the one language was. But my point is not one particular language. It was the fact that the whole world only had one language. And rather than using language like God did to accomplish God's purposes, they took the language he gave them and they rebelled against his purposes. Look at Genesis 11, 1 through 4. Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. Okay, repeated twice. It's important. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar. mortar. Uh, now, you always say, what's the big deal about that? That sounds really old-fashioned. Actually, that's advanced technology. That is advanced technology that's being emphasized. They're taking the latest, greatest technology, and what are they doing with it? Verse 4, and they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, ourselves, twice repeated, important. Lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. Now, what's going on here? I can't take you into detail into the story, but let me just make two major observations from what we just read. First of all, all of them had one language, one speech. What a blessing. Now, would that not be great? Uh, uh, if, you've, if you have ever been in a cross-cultural, multilingual situation, uh, Amber had the, the extreme privilege of going to a quinceañera, or I'm not saying that right, Carmen, you just came in at the right time. What's can, Yeah, that. She went to one of those, and, uh, and Carmen, can you believe everything was done in Spanish? It was shocking. But, uh, you know, the sad thing is she couldn't understand any of it. That's the world we live in. Wouldn't it be wonderful, Jordan, if everybody spoke one language? That is a huge blessing. What did these people do with that blessing? Of simple, clear communication with others. They used the one language to rebel against God and his purposes, and they tried to stay in one place and make a name for themselves. They tried to stay in one place. You say, why Let's see that again. Let us build ourselves a city, a tower, and make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered. They used the one language and the latest technology to do four things. Build a city of materialism for themselves. To build a tower of idolatry for themselves, which was really a worship of themselves. To build a name for themselves. And to build a secure place for themselves to pursue their own purposes. Now, just stop for a minute. That's basically life purpose in the world. Let us take the latest technology, let's take all the means of communication, and let's build a safe, secure place where I can make a name for me, myself, and mine, and then I can pursue my purposes safe, secure, and well provided for. But what are God's purposes? for humanity from the very beginning. Well, to see that, you need to turn back to Genesis 1. And I do want you to turn this because I want you to see how clear it is in Scripture. Turn back to Genesis 1, and let's look at 27 through 28. Genesis 1, 
27 through 28. Why is it so significant? The author of Genesis wants us to realize in Genesis 11 that they're rebelling against God's purposes in Genesis 1. Now notice what it says in Genesis 1, 27 through 28. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. Repeated twice, it's important. He created him male and female, he created them. What is God's purpose? For us to represent him, for us to be like him, for us to make his name famous because we are in his image. But go on, verse 28, and he blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, and then read this next part with me, and fill the earth, fill the earth. The idea was God's purpose is for you and I to become more and more like him and to reproduce that likeness in others and spread it out and spread ourselves out and fill this earth with sons and daughters of God. We just saw in the video, you are, if you are in Christ, you are a son of God, you are a daughter of God. We are to fill the earth with sons and daughters of God. What did they do in Genesis 11? They said, hey, let's build a city, let's build a tower, let's make a name, lest we be what? Lest we be scattered. Lest we do God's purposes. Lest we accomplish God's glory. Let's glorify ourselves. So you see that God's purpose has always been to worship Him, become more like Him, to reproduce His image in others, to fill the earth with the fame of His name. We've, it, it, God's purpose has always been to get out of our holy huddle and go tell others of His greatness and His goodness and to fill His earth with it, fill the earth with it. Now, in the New Testament, Jesus put it this way in Matthew 28, go make disciples of all nations. See, God's purpose has been consistent. Go fill the earth with my fame, the fame of my name. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, and go to the ends of the earth. God's will has always been to fill the earth to go. Now, here's what unsaved humanity is still doing. They're still rebelling against God's revealed purposes for the use of clear communication in the latest technology. I want you to grab, I'm giving you a theology to understand our world. I'm giving you a, a theology to make sense of your computer, to make sense of your cell phone, to make sense of Apple and Windows and all the technology, this exploding communication revolution is being used by the world to rebel against God's purposes, to become one and make a name for humanity. Okay, those people are bad, we're good. Well, maybe not. So here's the for us question. What are we using the latest technology for, young people? Older people, all people, what are we using the latest technology for? Are we using it to advance God's purposes or make a name for ourselves? Are we using it to make his name famous or is our status update always to make our name famous? You know, someone said their prayer request for the new year was, may your life be as good as it sounds on Facebook. That cracks me up because that's true, right? all the good stuff out there. Now listen, 
Fact number three, God doesn't sit idly by. Listen to fact number three. God scattered humanity with many languages as a judgment for sin and a hope for salvation. God scattered humanity with many languages as a judgment for sin and a hope for salvation. Let's look at the rest of the story in Genesis 11. Look at Genesis 11, 5 through 9. But the Lord came down. Now stop right there. God, the, the, the sinful humanity, unsaved humanity, wanted to build a tower up to the heavens. And they thought they were going to do it. Maybe they even got it done. I don't know. They, they were doing it. But in reality, what did God still do? He still came down. You see, we can't work our way back up to God. God has to come down. And when God comes down, He comes down in judgment. Notice, but the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are one. They all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. He's saying, look, here I have blessed them. Here they are able to, to use all that I've created. And here's what they're doing with it. Notice what it says. Now nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. I think what he's saying there is this, this is sinful. If I do not interrupt this, it will get more sinful, more rebellious. There will be greater sin. And that's really what we're seeing right now. In a sense, humanity is reversing the curse of many languages, creating one language, and we're coming up with all sorts of ways with the technology we have to accomplish even sinful and more greater. We're, getting, we're delving into things that, that we have no business delving into. That's not being anti-science. It's, it, it's the fact that we're using technology to make a name for us rather than to glorify God. So what does he say? Let's go down. Come, let us go down, and there confuse their language. That's the word, that's what Babel means, confuse their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from over the face of the earth, and they ceased building the city. Therefore, its name is called battle, con, uh, Babel, confusion, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over all the face of the earth. Now, I want you to see what happens here. Babel means confusion. What was meant to be a man-made way of salvation to God, they even called it the gate of God. Babel is a play on words. They called it the gate of God. He called it confusion. Because we can't work our way up to God. God has to come down and what? Reveal, speak his salvation to us. And then notice, though, what happens. God is saving them, or at least offering them hope of salvation, even in their judgment. Because what happens in the judgment? He's doing a couple things. He's saying, first, I'm going I'm 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 to force you to speak many languages so that you cannot unite and commit greater sin. That's grace. See, even in judgment... God is gracious. That's number one. Number two, in, in, in the second they couldn't speak to one another, what did that do? They, it caused them to divide and they scattered. It says in the text two times. What did we read? That's God's purpose. So even in judgment, God is graciously leading humanity to fulfill his purposes. 
That's good news. Because it means this. That the sin of others, and let's just be honest, our own sin, cannot hinder God's purposes on this planet. So, things are getting bleaker. Things are getting darker. And if you don't think that, or if you're listening to people that keep saying, peace, peace, things are getting darker. Things are getting more difficult. But that just means that God is still accomplishing His purposes. Okay? And maybe 2013 was a dark year for you, and maybe you ended up committing sins or doing things that you would never dreamt you would be doing, and you're wondering, well, what's 2014 hold? Listen, God is greater than our sin, and He will accomplish His purposes. That's good news, even in judgment. Listen, there are over 4,000 languages of the world that still need a Bible in their language, and that's a curse and a blessing from God. The fact that there are 4,000 languages is evidence of God's cursing and God's blessing. It's a reminder that we can't save ourselves. It's a reminder that we cannot reason our way to salvation. It's a reminder we need revelation from God. We need Him to come to us, speak His word to us, and the Makande people need that, and you and I need that, and every people group needs that. Getting to zero languages is a problem that we need to solve, but it's also a promise that there's a message of salvation for all peoples. So that brings me to fact number four. In Christ, God unleashes his church to reach the unreached in every language by the power of the Spirit. In Christ, God unleashes his church to reach the unreached in every language by the power of the Spirit. Turn to Acts chapter 2. Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. And let's read verses 4 through 11. I think this is just amazing. Acts chapter 2, verses 4 through 11. And here's what I want you to see. Through the, the person and work of Christ, through the coming of God's Spirit, God is reversing the judgment at the Tower of Babel. Wow. Thousands of years later. God is still accomplishing His purposes. Let's look at it. Acts chapter 2, and let's read verses 4 through 11. And they, this is the, the 120, the first church, the, the early church, the first disciples. Jesus has gone up, and now the Spirit is coming down. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. Now, those other tongues, we get all messed up with that. That is the same word for many languages that is used uh, back in Genesis 11, okay? And it, it's referring to the same thing, spoken languages. You know, in, in the Tower of Babel, when he scattered them and they spoke with different tongues, many tongues, they didn't speak gobbledygook. They spoke real languages. They were just different from one another. Well, what's the same things going on here as the Spirit gave them utterance? This isn't gibberish. These are known spoken language, and, and the text will prove it for us as we continue to read it. Now, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, and the multitude came together, and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Circle that word confused. Where did we just see that? That's what Babel means. It's, it's, it's amazing. The irony and, and what God is wanting us to connect is at the Tower of Babel, God confused the languages. 
Now he's enabling all the languages of the world at that known time to be spoken, and the unsaved people are confused by it because they don't understand God's purposes. They don't understand God's plan. And when the sound occurred, verse 6, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in their own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? In other words, they're not from my country. They're not my, they don't speak my language. And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born, the heart language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt in the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. Wow, in Christ, God unleashes the church to reach the unreached in every language. In a sense, the Great Commission was fulfilled in one day right there. Go make disciples of all nations. And boom, they spoke to all the nations. I, man, that's exciting. In Christ, God unleashes the church to reverse the curse of the Tower of Babel. Now, in Acts 2, don't, don't miss it. This was done through the miraculous means of speaking in tongues. A real human language that was unknown to the speaker but understood by the hearer. This miracle was temporary to authenticate the gospel and the ministry of the apostles until the word of God was fully received and revealed to the church. So this was done to verify that Jesus truly was Messiah. He truly rose, and he is truly now giving the Spirit and fulfilling God's spirits. It authenticated them, and once that authentication, once that proof was given... The miracle doesn't have to go on. Listen, those in Christianity who want to continue the miracle of Acts 2 are fighting against God's purposes. God's purpose was accomplished in Acts 2. So, what does that mean? Well, it means this. Today, God is still unleashing His church to reach the unreached in every language through Bible translation. And it still must be done in Christ. It still has to be done by the church. It still has to be done in the Spirit. Listen, if the church doesn't do it, who's going to do it? You think with all this communication, Apple's there strategizing how to get God's Word? No. They, they're taking their apps, and they're screening those apps, and they're eliminating apps that would promote God's purposes and God's standards and God's moral character. I mean, I'm not picking on them. I, I like their technology. But don't think they're planning on how to reach the Makande with the Bible. And listen, it still takes the power of the Spirit. I want you to take a look at this video of how translation works. And as you look around at these 16 chapters, I want you to understand this is what it takes to get the job done. It takes the Holy Spirit. It wears me out watching it. I'm like, how, how, isn't that guy's hand tired by now? Um, but that's the translation process. Now, you've got to be honest if you're paying attention this morning. Why doesn't God just do Acts 2? Right? Well, he hasn't told us. Uh, this is his purpose. This is his plan. And this is how he's doing it. 
And um, obviously, it takes God's people. It has to be done in Christ, and that process has to be done. I mean, can you, do you realize all the choices you saw in that process, how the Holy Spirit must be leading? Now, look around you. Mark, the gospel, the New Testament is being translated in the Makande language through that process. That's put on by the seed company, the, comp the, the partners that we're partnering on this project. That's how it's going to be done. Now, fact number five. Here's the good news. That could be a little overwhelming. You might think, how is that ever going to get done? But here's the good news. Fact number five, God gave everything to reach every language with the gospel of Christ. God gave everything to reach every language. That's why I had Kirk read Revelation 5, 9 through 10. They sang a new song. That's our song. It's a new year saying, you are worthy to Jesus. You are worthy to take the scroll, to open the seals. Why? You were slain. God gave his son so every language would have his scriptures and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Jesus gave his life so that every language would have the Bible. Out of every tribe and tongue, language, same word as in Acts 2, every language is going to be there. We are guaranteed that there will be Makunde people around the throne of God. Now, we know they're already going to be because 9% of, of Makande people are Christians, professing Christians. That's not the point. The point is that 9% do not have the Bible, the New Testament, any of the, none of the, the Bible at all in the Makunde language. So think of you being here. If you're, you know, if you, if you're, if you're Spanish, you have the English Bible. I'm sure Carmen prefers the Spanish, and if you're, in, if you're here in an English speaker, as most of us are only English speakers, just think of not having it in English. Think of it. But God's guaranteed that they will get that. And so here's the good news about this project. This project is going to be accomplished whether we participate or not. This project will be accomplished whether you participate or not. That's not the so get rid of the guilt. Oh, if I don't do this, you know, God, God, God doesn't need us. He's going to get it accomplished, and he's going to get it accomplished through through people like us. The good news is we get to get in on it, and it's guaranteed to 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 happen. And it's going to happen through our prayers. It's going to happen through our giving. We've been unleashed to reach the unreached by giving everything to reach everyone. So what does this all mean for us right now? Let me land the plane. God's heart still counts for zero languages. Of the world's 7,000 languages, there's only, it's a limited number. There's only 7,000, and, and, and that number gets smaller because they die off. These languages die off. So there's 7,000 languages. One-third have been translated. That's about 2,300. One-third translation has begun but is not finished. The Makande Bible has begun, but it's not finished. And then another third of that 7,000 has not even started. So the number you want to get in your head is 4,000 languages without a completed Bible. The other number is approximately 2,000 that haven't even been started. All right? But Bible translation is accelerating right now like never before. In 100 A.D., when the, about the time the last apostle died, Apostle John, there were six tran different translations of the Bible. During the Reformation, when Bible translation exploded, there were 
50 translations of the Bible. Right now in 2013, there's like over 2,500. It's exploding, and we get to get in on it. Over 4,000 projects need to be completed. Now, this is important. It is estimated by the year 2025, all projects will have begun. Is that, not, is that cool? By 2025, it is projected that all 4,000 languages that remain will have been started, and the projects will be moving towards completion. So what does this mean for us this morning? Here's, here's what we get to do this morning. Regift. God's greatest gift. Regift it. You've been given God's word. I hope you value it. I hope you're using it. I hope you, you live by it. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I hope you enjoy this gift so much that you want to regift it to other people, like Randy regifted a valuable gift to me so I could enjoy it. God has given his word to us so that we can re-gift it. So, what do we need to do? Well, let's talk about Mark for the Makande then. Uh, re-gifting God's greatest gift. In your bulletin is uh, everything you need to know about the project, okay? So, everything you need to know is all there. I'm not going to insult your uh, reading abilities. You can read that for yourself. There are approximately 1.3 million Makande people, and they are, they are, uh, they are located in southern... Tanzania, and northern Mozambique. So we got our men on the, on, on the ground. We got Mitch Calmes on one side, and we got Roger Schmidt on the other side. And when the Calmes were here, they even have a Makunde man in their church that's getting all excited about this. Because here's the thing, even though they, they can speak, some of them can speak English, some of them can speak Swahili, the trade language of Africa, they still have a heart language, but more importantly, in the villages where people have not heard Christ and they are predominantly Muslim, they speak Makande. And so uh, there's just so many exciting things that we can talk about, but uh, I just want you to look at on the inside. You can, you can see about the New Testament project. Here's what it all comes down to. It comes down to this. Our goal is to give 17000 Dollars to fund the translation of the Gospel of Mark for the Makunde people from October 2013 to October 2014. By next world outreach, by this year's world outreach, October 2014, we want to have, have $17,000 raised. We want every one of these verses to be claimed and, and, and initialized, and we're going to have a celebration at our October 2014 world outreach. We're going to celebrate getting, re-gifting God's Word, making our lives count for zero languages without God's Word. And then, Lord willing, we'll be able to participate and send a delegation from our church when the New Testament is completed, be on the ground and see the whole New Testament dedicated, maybe see the Gospel of Mark dedicated. I don't know what all is going to happen. God knows what's going to happen. That's not what's important. What's important is what's right in front of us. Amen? All right, this is exciting stuff. Can I give you some updates? Gospel of Mark, this is going to be 10% of the New Testament. There's 678 verses at $25 a verse. Comes out, don't do the math, it isn't exact. It's 17,000, just round numbers here. Is that all right, Kirk? Am I okay to round on that? Um, our kids started us off with three verses at the WOZ. The, the, uh, Audra led the kids. So we already got three verses claimed over here on Mark 1. Um, our missionaries set the pace. Hey, listen, when you got God's heart, you get in on God's action, right? 
and thank God our missionaries have God's heart. They got in on it. They've already claimed their verses, okay? Right to date, listen, this, that, that was soft opening, October 2013. This is, well, yeah, this is hard opening, okay? <laughs> this, is, this is the hard opening. Um, but see, you know, that's okay, because this is what I told Gwen. I said, hey, when God's in it, God gets it done. And, and, and we don't have to manufacture that. But listen to this. We already have 6,000 already given. 6,000 already given. That's 35% of the project already completed. And I know for our family, I'm, I, just, I told our missions commission, our family, you know, uh, the end of 2013, our finances are, are, are tighter than ever. Gwen's not working right now. And, and we're going to commit to $1,000. We're, we're, we're claiming $1,000. I don't know where that's coming from. That's over above our tithe. That's over above our faith promise. And yet, we've gotten excited because any extra cash that's coming in, it's like, hey, let's, let's take the tithe off of that and, and put it to the project. Not our tithe to our general offering. I'm talking about unexpected because here's what happens. When God understands that you're a channel and not a, a stopgap for his finances, then he starts giving you more because he's like, well, I know where that's going. I know where that's going. Listen, skip one meal out and you can claim one verse. This is what gets exciting because you start thinking this way during the year. And you start, all of a sudden, every purchase, you're like, ooh, that's a verse of scripture right there. You know? Or think about this, maybe every time, uh, here, here's another one. I mean, you just get really fun with this. Think about this, claim, fund one verse for every Bible you already own. Yeah, that just nailed down at least five verses for most of us. Why should we do that? Because too much is given, much is required. To think we have five, seven, some of us, ten Bibles in our home? One verse for every Bible you own. Think about it. There's a lot of creative ways. I, I, I'm here to just get, get you excited. Okay, so take your commitment card. We're not going to hand these in. This is for you. This is for you to do. And so here's what you want to do. How do we do it? Number one, commit to how many verses and sign up on the chapter boards. So you take this and you figure out how many verses, you times it by 25, and then that's your amount, okay? And then you think through, what verses do I want to claim? And we got Sharpies here, we got Sharpies here, we got Sharpies in the back, and you can go and you can claim with your family those verses, okay? So don't knock anybody over, don't, you know... Um, you know, there's all sorts of interesting verses that will need to be claimed at some point. You know, I, I didn't, I haven't thought of what the funny ones in Mark yet are, but there, are, believe me, there are ones there. You know, my life verse. You know, uh, so first of all, um, get your kids involved, invite others, and there's creative ways. Number two, pray for the Makunde and uh, project and the people. In your uh, bulletin, you've got eight ways, eight ways to pray. Okay. And every Monday, we're going to have Mark for the Makunde Mondays, and you'll have a new prayer request, new insights, new updates, new interesting things about the people, about the project, about translation. And so we need to be praying. And there's our translators right there. Is that not cool? So they're, and they're, on, the, they're on different parts of the posters. And so there's our translators, Herman, uh, Jacqueline, and Jamarcy. And, and Randy, didn't you say they were believers? Sometimes they're not always believers. These are believers. Let's pray for these. I mean, they're translating the whole New Testament. You know, good luck with that. I'll pray for you. 
Okay, so you, you, you pray about that, and then number three, fulfill your commitment. I do ask, we do ask that you don't claim a verse that you don't intend to fund, because we're going to assume when that's claimed, that will be funded. Now, it may take you all year to, to, to fund it, that's okay, but, but don't get emotional and crazy about it, but at the same time, claim a chapter. Basically, a chapter is $1,000. Now, if you're, uh, if you're wise, you won't claim 14. That takes two boards, okay? You might take chapter 16, which is only a half a board, and it's half full. So, you know, I'll claim 16. Yeah, yeah. Do whatever you want to do. Get excited. Enjoy this, and uh, let's do this, okay? Now, since this is a weird uh, uh, Sunday, let me make sure I'm doing Okay, offering. The offering plate will be back there. Mr. Bill, please make sure the offering plate's back there. You can drop your offering in. Please do that. Uh, I don't think we need to uh, do that. And um, here's what I want us to do. Kirk's going to come up and play. And while he's playing, here's what I'm asking you to do. Different Sunday. Can we, are, are, we all, are you all with me? Here's what I want you to do. I, I just asked you to commit before I told you, but okay, here, <laughs> here I'll tell you. Here's what I want you to do. I want us to divide up in groups, and I would like somebody at every one of these chapters. And can we pray while Kirk plays? And then we'll end in prayer and we'll be dismissed. Can we do that? Can we do that? Are we okay with that? Okay, so let's cover all 16 chapters. There's some out in the alcove. Let's do that, and then we'll end in pray, prayer. And, and, and please do this. Listen, please do this. We didn't have our uh, welcome time. So before you leave, hug somebody's neck. All right? Let's go. Let's pray. Let's claim this project for God.